I do feel welcome. Thank you. Good morning, church. Really good to be with you. Great to be with those of you at home as well. Uh, as Richard said, we're continuing our teaching series, Sit at His Feet. So this is just the second in this series. And already for me, and I hope this is the same for you, I feel this series is exactly what I need right now. This chance to, to simplify and to come and focus on Jesus. I grew up on the south coast of Cornwall. Uh, it doesn't normally look like that, by the way. It's normally drizzling down there. But many of our families still live down in Cornwall. And whenever we go down to Cornwall and see the sea, there's just that sense of, ah, oh, that space. I think it's something about the sea air as well. And there's a chance to breathe again. That's how I feel when I go there. And for me, this series feels a bit like that. Like it's a chance to breathe again, a chance to catch our breath. So we believe God is calling us right now to go after and to enjoy intimacy with Jesus, to sit at his feet. And you know, this could be transformational for us. It could be transformational for us as a church as we come again and enjoy his presence and spend time encountering him. But also, I think, as individuals, for many of us, this might just be the opportunity that we need to reassess priorities, to think about why we do the things that we do, and to make sure those things that are really, really important to us, that those things are at the centre of our lives, to do the one thing well, and to put Jesus first. So as John put it last week when he kicked off this series, we're going to paint a portrait of Jesus through this series, adding a different layer each week. In all, there will be 10 different preachers in this series, each talking about a different aspect of Jesus' character. So where do we start with this portrait of Jesus? Well, we're going to start with a passage where Jesus describes himself. So we're going to look together at Matthew 11, verses 25 to 30. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, the words will be there on the screen. But if you do have a Bible, I want to encourage you to open that now to Matthew 11, verses 25 to 30. We're going to stay mostly in this passage. And it'll be a passage that's very familiar to many of you, but there is so much in this. And I want us this morning really to sit and soak in this passage and to contemplate what it says. So Matthew 11, verses 25 to 30. It says this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together, church. Lord, I thank you so much for this passage. Um, I thank you for what it teaches us about the truth of of who you are. And I thank you for your presence. I thank you you're with us today. And I pray as we look into this passage, Lord, we'd be all the more aware of your presence and all the more aware of who you are. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. During our times of sung worship, 
I often love to look around the room. I did this again today. And I do that because I love seeing people lost in worship. It just raises my faith levels when I see that. And in this passage, we catch Jesus in a moment like this. He's in a burst of praise to his Father. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Jesus is praising his Father for the way the Father reveals who he is. See, Jesus was seeing that many of the most educated and apparently wise people, people like the Pharisees and the scribes, were missing who Jesus was. And yet ordinary, everyday, sometimes unschooled people were getting it. And this still happens today, you know. It's a wonderful truth of the kingdom of God that people who our society would hold up as being educated and wise miss who God is. And yet in King's Kids this morning, there are young kids who've already grasped it. In fact, for all of us to understand who he is, we have to come like little children, to put down our preconceptions of what God is like. It's only as God reveals himself to us that we get an accurate picture of who he is. And that's why we need the Bible. See, without that, we'll form our own ideas of what God is like based on our experiences and what we see around us. But Jesus says, no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. In other words, Jesus shows us what the Father is like through his actions, through his words, through the way he responds to people, the way he treats them. He communicates who God is. In John 14, Jesus says, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. You see Jesus, you look at Jesus, and you see what God is like. Now, why am I starting here? Because as we paint this portrait of Jesus, we're not just describing some historical rabbi. We're exploring the very heart of God. And that matters to all of us. And you know, what we see of the God revealed to us in Scripture is not what we'd expect. He blows apart our preconceived ideas. His ways are not our ways. And our thoughts are not his thoughts. And we see that in this wonderful invitation that Jesus gives in this passage. He's praised his Father, and then he speaks tenderly to people. We're going to focus in on this invitation that Jesus gives. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. John Piper calls this the sweetest invitation in the New Testament. Do you know, this might even be the kindest words that have ever been spoken by any human being. So we're going to look today at what it means that Jesus is gentle and humble. We're going to come to that. But I think we only get how sweet and how good this invitation is when we first understand who we are. So what does this passage say about us? Well, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened. I wonder, can you relate to that description? (laughs) That certainly feels like a, a pretty accurate description of me a lot of the time. And I think right now, of course, there are lots of reasons why we might be feeling weary and burdened. The effect of everything that's happened over the last couple of years, lockdowns and the impact that they've had on us. I wonder if what we've been through over the last couple of years has taken its toll on us in ways that we can't even understand and put into words. And many of us right now will be feeling a financial burden. Things like the cost of petrol and the cost of gas and electricity and food and all the events going on in the world around us. 
For you, perhaps life just feels very busy right now. I think many of us feel emotionally and physically weary and just needing a break. But Jesus promises here not a physical rest, but rest for our souls. What does he mean? When Jesus says weary and burdened, I wonder if he's talking about a particular kind of weariness and a particular kind of burden. And this perhaps comes out more clearly in different translations of this passage. So the ESV says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. The message version says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? You get this sense there of striving, of having to do certain things. See, Jesus' original hearers would have understood this as being about the religious legalism imposed on people by the Pharisees. All those rules, all those things that people had to do to find peace with God. And later in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says about the religious leaders that they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And we might read all this and think, well, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with us reading that today? Well, perhaps we don't feel the need to follow religious rules like this, but I think many of us will relate to a restlessness that we have, a feeling of not measuring up, and a sense that we have to do certain things to prove ourselves in all kinds of ways, that our identity is dependent on our performance. And so we strive, we try to prove ourselves to other people, pushing ourselves to live up to the expectations that we set for ourselves and the expectations of other people. And you know, day after day of living like that is wearying. I think Jesus would describe this in terms of yokes. So we don't see many yokes these days, but a yoke was a heavy wooden harness that would fit over the shoulders of two oxen so they could pull a piece of equipment. And the oxen would walk together and would pull this equipment behind them. And so the thing about a yoke is it's not just the the weight of the yoke itself, but you're attached to another animal. So you have to go at the pace of that other animal. And the point is, if we live for things other than Jesus, things like the approval of other people, it's like we're yoked to these things. And these things are harsh and they'll drive us relentlessly and they'll end up destroying us because we can never keep up. We feel like we're constantly having to keep going and keep going, almost like we're on a hamster wheel that just keeps going and we're never really getting anywhere, never able to stop. Well, sometimes a moment in life can cause you to step off the wheel for a moment and to think, where is all this going? I want to share a little bit of my own story on this and particularly how it's played out over the last couple of years. Some of you might know some of these things, others of you won't, and I share this not for sympathy, but I share this because I I don't want you to assume that just because I'm standing here preaching that I've got it all together on this. And I also hope that some of the things I'm going to share will will relate to you, that you'll be able to relate to some of these things. So I think in some ways, I've always felt the need to prove myself to other people. I've always been a bit of a perfectionist. I like to do things really well, and I hate the idea of failing, that idea of failure I really fear that, I think. And I've had a problem with sleep as well, ever since I can really remember. And I think a lot of that probably comes down to identity. I think it's all in the mix there. Like a feeling that the world rests on my shoulders and not on God's. I wonder if I really knew deep down that I was a loved child of God. I think I'd probably sleep a bit better. 
About 18 months ago, I had a crash, almost literally. It was the middle of the second lockdown, and it was a particularly stressful time. So Alice, my wife, was going through some pretty serious health concerns, and I felt stressed out, and I wasn't sleeping very well at the time. And on Boxing Day 2020, we were heading out for a drive as a family, and I had a blackout at the wheel of the car. So one moment I was driving, and the next I came around at the side of the road, and Alice, my wife, was looking very concerned, and the kids were understandably very upset in the back. If you're going to have a blackout, this is really not the place to do it. Now, fortunately, just before I blacked out, I'd sensed that I wasn't feeling quite right, and I'd managed to get the car safe. It was still moving, but it was safe, so I didn't crash the car, and praise God, we were all okay, but it was a scary moment. And I haven't driven since then. I had a couple more blackouts last summer. And over the last year, I've had several tests to try and get to the bottom of what was going on. And I think there may be medical factors involved. But I do believe that stress played a big part in this. And it's made me ask some questions that I'm still exploring. Questions about the way I try to live and about what is going on under the surface in my life. Questions like, who am I living for? Why do I feel this underlying need to prove myself day after day? Now, your story might not be as dramatic as that, but I want you to think just for a moment, are there aspects of this that you can identify with? Do you ever feel that burden of not measuring up? Do you ever feel weary from trying to prove yourself over and over again? If so, what does God want to say to you in this? Let's just ask him right now. Let's just take a moment here. If that's you, if you, if you know that you have that kind of burden, if you feel that kind of weariness, just ask God what he wants to say to you right now. Do you know, I wonder if in this time of drawing close to Jesus, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to do some yoke replacement in this time. For some of us, that we take off that burden of trying to measure up and having to prove ourselves over and over again, and instead that we come to him. See, what do we find when we come to Jesus? Well, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. In his book, Gentle and Lowly, Dane Ortland says that this passage in Matthew's Gospel is the only place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. And he says this, In the one place in the Bible where the Son of God pulls back the veil and lets us peer way down into the core of who he is, we're not told that he is austere and demanding in heart, We're not told that he is exalted and dignified in heart. We're not even told that he is joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus set the terms, his surprising claim is that he is gentle and lowly in heart. So what does it mean that Jesus is gentle? Well, his gentleness doesn't mean a lack of strength and a lack of power. So last time I preached, I preached on the resurrected King Jesus with eyes like blazing fire and a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. 
This is the one who spoke life into being, the one who raises the dead and has authority over sickness and demons and darkness. No one has authority and power like Jesus. On Wednesday night, there was this incredible thunderstorm. Did you see it? Amazing thunderstorm where the sky kind of lit up and this thunder and lightning. And it speaks of the power and the holiness of God. No one comes close to his power. And yet at the same time, no one comes close to his gentleness. This is the wonder of Jesus. See, God doesn't fit neatly into our boxes and categories. He can be terrifying in holiness, yet shockingly compassionate. He's sovereign, yet he's humble. He's powerful, yet he's wonderfully gentle. And these things don't contradict each other with God. They just add to the depth of who he is. Do you know, Jesus is so powerful that one word from him could crush us. But he's so gentle. The Christian author Sam Albury puts it like this. If you think of all the things he could break, you'll begin to see the wonder of what he won't break. Sometimes when we're out walking as a family, I'll be holding hands with our little six-year-old, Anna. And suddenly she'll squeeze my hand really, really hard, as hard as she can. And of course it doesn't hurt at all, because she has very, very small hands and she's very small. But then she asks me to squeeze her hand as hard as I can. And of course I don't do that, not because I couldn't, but because I break her hand. And I don't want to do that because I love her and because she's precious to me. How much more precious are you to God? Do you know, we hear many stories of people in power abusing the power that they have. And you might have experience of this, of being on the receiving end of an abuse of power. Well, Jesus doesn't use his power in this way. If you've still got your Bible open in Matthew's Gospel, just look what it says in chapter 12 of him. It says, it says of him there, a bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Just think of that imagery for a moment. A fragile reed, damaged and bruised and broken and seemingly lifeless, and yet Jesus doesn't cause it to break. A smouldering wick, just a tiny flicker, the smallest wrong move could snuff it out, and yet, yet Jesus cares with such precision. And we see this in the way Jesus treats people right through the gospel stories. See, when Jesus encounters self-righteousness and hypocrisy, he challenges it. He confronts it head on. But when people come to him honest and broken and repentant, they receive wonderful gentleness and humility. Think of the way Jesus is with a woman caught in the act of adultery. The shame that she must have felt as she was brought before Jesus. And he doesn't waver on sin, but he's so gentle with her. How about that woman who, with a reputation as a sinner who wept at Jesus' feet? And while others questioned Jesus' discernment in letting her do this, Jesus sees her heart and he's so kind and so gentle with her. See how Jesus is with Peter. Even after Peter denies that he even knows Jesus, Jesus is gentle in the way he forgives him and restores him. And you will have examples of your own life, I'm sure, of where Jesus has been incredibly gentle and humble with you. And I want to encourage you to look out for that this week. Look out for the gentleness and the humility of Jesus. It's likely that in this room today, there will be bruised reeds and smouldering wicks. Maybe that's you right now, that you feel bruised by life's experiences, that you feel bruised by the expectations of other people perhaps by religion. 
If that's you, he understands the reason you feel like you do. And he says to you, come to me. For all his power and holiness, he is gentle and he's humble in heart. Not that he's soft, not that he's tolerant of sin, not that there's never correction needed, but he loves you and he's committed to your transformation and he will not crush you in the process. That's been my experience, the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus. For all my striving and all my trying to be God, he's so patient with me. When I come to him really needing forgiveness, he's so kind. And through the medical tests I've had over the last 12 months, I've experienced the presence of God and the kindness and the humility of God. Or maybe there's people here or people watching at home and you've never come to Jesus because you worry about how he'd respond to you. Maybe your idea of God is that he just stands back and watches you waiting for you to mess up. Again, he says to you today, come to me. He's gentle and he's humble in heart. What does it mean that he's humble? Well, it means this. It means he's approachable. He's not aloof. He's not distant. He comes. Maybe the Apostle Paul put this best when he wrote this about Jesus in his letters to the Philippians. He wrote that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, this is the humility of our God. He's the God who comes close, who draws close. He made himself nothing. He lived the life that we can't live. And through the way he lived, we see his humility, the way he spent time with the vulnerable and the marginalized and the broken, the way he gets down and washes his disciples' feet. And we see it, of course, in the way he laid down his life for us. If you ever have trouble believing that God could possibly be this humble, that God could possibly be this good, look at the cross. Because there you see the very nature of God on display. And now we don't have to unburden ourselves to come before God because he took our burden on the cross. And now we can just come to him just as we are. And we don't have to run after the things that the world chases after. We don't have to strive and prove ourselves and be perfectionists because the perfect son has already lived the perfect life on our behalf. Do you know, it can be a really harsh and wearying world. But Jesus is inviting us to another way to live. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does that mean that the Christian life is always easy or without trials? No. But it does mean that we can live each day yoked to the one who is gentle and humble and that we can live out of an understanding of how loved we are already rather than trying to gain his love. And it means we can sleep at night knowing that the world doesn't rest on our shoulders. So as I finish, church, here's the challenge. Will we accept this kindest of invitations? And I'm speaking to myself here as much as to anyone, but will we set aside time in our busy lives to come to Jesus? Will we reject that lie that life is about how busy we can be, how much we can cram in? And will we slow down enough to see him at work, to talk to him, to let him speak truth to us about who he is. See, these are very simple things, but they require intentionality. 
So are you weary? Are you burdened? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Church, this is the kindest invitation we will ever receive. Let's not miss it. Amen? Amen. Amen.